Back for more extra points, Garen Emig and Bill Haston, Tulsa World Sports columnist, taking a look at uh, the week that was and the weekend that will be, focusing once again on uh, on football season. Um, very thank you very much for tuning in as always. Uh, whether you're watching or listening, we appreciate your uh, your business. We always appreciate your reading. Uh, a reminder that you can catch our uh, podcast, whether uh, it's Bill and, and I doing the work or others on the staff or others in the Tulsa World Newsroom, you can download via Google, Apple, and Spotify every time we put one of these out. Like Bill is on location today, coming at us from, what do you, what'd you call it, man, the Spartan Room? Yeah, yep. It is the Spartan Room in the uh, at the north end of Bixby's football stadium. So, uh, and at, at the time you and I finish here, this room's gonna to start to fill up because Luke has the senior tight end for Bixby will be presented with his Under Armour jersey. I think it's in a box right here in front of me, but I'm not gonna to touch it. <laughs> put the it on. It is, I won't put it on, it. man. I'm, let's, no, I'm not gonna put it on. I'd like to, I wish I could share it, but I'm not gonna burn his surprise. So uh, <laughs> no, it, it's, a, it's a cool event here in a little bit. Second time I've been here in a month because Parker Fredrickson. Uh, That's Bixby, right really good basketball senior uh committed to Notre Dame here in the same room about a month ago so uh yeah, yeah. another event another big event here basically with cookies and Gatorade I was just telling these people in the built in the room here I wish I had bought stock in Gatorade about 40 30 or 40 years ago oh, Holy is the champagne of high school kids for sure is that not the truth or college I usually try to grab a couple to go uh don't tell anyone I drink that's yeah. all I agree. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm I'm ready for some hydration when I when I'm done working either in Norman or Stillwater. And I usually I usually I figure they're not going to miss a couple of Gatorades, so I stick a few in the in my backpack. And so, people of uh, champions, whether you're an athletic uh, star or or someone writing about them, I, I suppose. Yeah. Right. Um, Hal asked since he brought up Luke is is when you're having the type of season Bixby is in football, it's kind of hard to stand out, right? Because it seems like everyone scores. <laughs> scores every week for that team is yeah. is any one of uh coach montgomery's guys standing out from what you know this year oh my or gosh. well yeah i mean you know it's so interesting they have two quarterbacks right and the way they use those quarterbacks there's no rhyme or reason some i mean sometimes you know that connor kirby the two the second quarterback he's not a backup he's the second quarterback kind of know on a short yardage situation, depending on field position, it's probably going to be Connor Kirby because mm -hmm. he's such a dynamic ball carrier, but yet he has the ability for the defense to sell out on stopping Connor Kirby on third and short. He can throw a, a really nice ball. And so it, they have two complete quarterbacks, but Connor Kirby adds the run dimension uh, in a greater way. And he's dynamic. And, and, but, you know, there was a game a couple of weeks ago where Austin Havens and, who transferred here from Owasso and Kirby combined to complete 79% of their passes that night. So um, Connor Kirby to me is, the, I refer to him, I think in a column as the special sauce um, for Bixby because he's such, uh, you know, when you talk about a quarterback run game, adding a 12th guy, he truly does do that. And, and he, I think he's the guy that, in my mind, kind of is the special guy for Bixby this year. I'm mm -hmm. not saying best player. I'm saying yeah. he's the difference uh, that a lot of teams can't counter. Uh, but I mean, as far as like guys playing well, oh my lord, so many. Um, name name a name a player on the roster. I would assume. Oh right? 
Yeah. Uh, hey, oh my, I mean, uh, where do you even start? Well, I mean, uh, Dylan Haas is unbelievable. Dylan Haas is, is a, within the context of clean football, he's one of the most violent high school tacklers I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Coming downhill from a safety position and, and knocking people around. Of course, he's committed to Arkansas, just like Luke is committed yeah. to Arkansas. Luke is, you know, it's so interesting about Luke. We're here today for him to get a jersey, an All-American jersey from Under Armour, right? Well, for two years, he didn't even play football. He was committed to basketball. He's a really good basketball athlete. Mm-hmm. And so he decided, I, I guess, before his 10th, it was, it was the, uh, yeah, before the COVID season, he got bored because there was no summer basketball. He decides, I'm going to work out with the football guys just to stay in shape. He kind of got football fever again. And mm-hmm. here he is now, an Arkansas commit and an All-American wow. as a tight end at Bixby. But, uh, oh, my gosh, Jersey Rob is a classic Bixby program guy. Just just sell, sells out totally for mm-hmm. Bixby football. And they're just so – I mean, every year they have a guy like that and or guys like Jersey Rob who has one of the great names uh, and, and is, a, is a great wrestler as well which is another hallmark, I think, of Montgomery teams at Bixby is a lot of their better players are also accomplished wrestlers. So mm-hmm. there's a toughness built into the program here, yeah. I think, that you get from wrestling. Uh, but it's just it's just a, it's remarkable because I think about this a lot. You see the Bixby players in street clothes, and you think, well, they're not genetic. They don't seem to be genetically superior to the other guys that they're facing week to week to week. But yet uh, – and, you know, I mean, you look at the roster and the sizes and the heights and weights and all, it looks very typical. Mm-hmm. Just so beautifully coached. And they're so committed to what's going on here. And they're going to lose at some point. Uh, they, their streak now is the nation's longest win streak. It is the longest in the country. Uh, never mind a, a state record. But um, They're not losing yeah. this week. No. You know, they play Jinx here in the regular season finale on a Thursday, November 3rd, on ESPN. And, uh, boy, that looked like a sensational matchup when it was announced. And now, um, with all the Jinx injuries and with Bixby playing this beautifully, I'm not sure how close a game that might be. Uh, Certainly, I I mean, it would be foolish to say Jinx can't beat anybody because – I've seen Jinx win a bunch of games they weren't supposed to win. 98 championship game, one of the most right. famous, famous, didn't have won, but did win Jinx games of all time. Um, so, oh, you were on the call at night. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I saw, I remember that one well, Bill. Yeah, that's right. I can still, I can still see Ben Bowling hitting his brother Jared for a touchdown uh, on fourth down, what, right. again, like 40 yards. Was that game at Stillwater? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I uh, pre pre Boone picking Stillwater. That was the old old Lewis Field. Well, I enjoy championship games in any venue, and I I thought Tulsa to you uh, Chapman Stadium was really a nice place for the championship games. But I got to say, Garen, uh, I really do like the setup at Edmond. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, 10,000 seat stadium. Uh, when you have 6,000 there for a high school championship game, it feels like a big crowd. Where yep, if you have 6,000 at Boone Pickens, it's like, eh. Yep, that's right. 
Uh, has just walked in to get a cookie. <laughs> if you're not American, you get a cookie. Um, you what you want if you're not American, right? And anyway, so, good. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, big day at Bixby. Uh, yeah, that's right. Big year at Bixby. Big well era, era at Bixby. Well, yeah, uh, just unbelievable. We can. We I, I and I wrote this last week, and I believe it. I think to some extent that what they're doing now is being overlooked and kind of taken for granted. Well, so it's good for us to spend five minutes here at the top, kind of giving them some props. Pray, uh, pray for Westmore. I think that's who Bixby's opponent is this week. That's not going to go well at all. For the Jaguars. No, no, you know, and that's another thing I wrote last week is that I, I'm so impressed by Lauren Montgomery's ability to keep these guys at maximum level of preparation and motivation because they don't only the starters only get to play a half mm -hmm. or maybe a half and one possession like mm -hmm. they did last week against BA. They beat Broken Arrow by 60. Mm -hmm. I saw that. Yes. That crazy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um a couple of uh a couple of Spartans are headed to uh headed into a big game. A couple of former Spartans are headed into a big game. Bill I wanted to talk talk to you about this one a lot today. Uh your time permitted. The Presley brothers and the Oklahoma State Cowboys host Texas. Uh, it is the uh, it is the centerpiece game this weekend for uh, for Oklahoma fans. The Sooners are off. TU plays Friday night. OSU has to bounce back after losing a game that uh, it looked like it was going to win for three hours. Right, the double overtime loss at TCU last week. Um, Mike Gundy has done pretty well against Texas the last several years. Um, this uh, this matchup you think sets up pretty well despite all of Texas talent offensively at the skill positions. I think the Cowboys have a better overall defense. Um, the lines are actually pretty even the lines of scrimmage. That is just going to be a matter of whether Sanders plays better, uh, more consistently than he did against TCU, which means you got to ask how his shoulders feeling and can, uh, can the Cowboys, if they don't have a B. John Robinson to, to hand the ball to, can they do enough? Right, the run game to counteract what Robinson and Rashawn Johnson are going to give the Longhorns. Uh, how do you feel about this game? Is it, does this set up well in your opinion? It's interesting uh, that because I saw the play as you did when it happened in the Alabama game, but there's no way Quinn Ewers is 100%. There's no way. So he's, you know, we've got kind of a battle of bum shoulders here, presumably. Mm -hmm. Uh, at least what we're all hearing is that Sanders has an issue with the shoulder. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's just unbelievable that before 2010, OSU all-time was 2-22 and 22 against Texas, all-time. 1-15 in, in Austin. And now since uh, 2010, which uh, I kind of consider the start of the modern era of Oklahoma State football because Whedon, Dana Holgerson, Gundy joined forces with Justin Blackman and – OSU football hadn't been the same since. And then what, what is what is OSU's record against Texas since? Eight and four since 2010, six and one in Austin. And you ask, and, and Gundy now is eight and nine straight up overall against Texas. So when it looked for several years, like he would never beat Texas. So does it set up well at Stillwater on homecoming? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Now, but if you, if you look at the, uh, the state of the Cowboys with, the uncertainty related to Sanders, right. physically, right? And, and OSU's run game has been garbage. 
I mean, I don't know how else to put it. It's, it's garbage. And, and then, so here I am sitting at Bixby right now after scratching together some notes this morning, and I couldn't escape from this that the most accomplished running back in Oklahoma the last two years was Braylon Presley. Nobody could tackle him. And he was a priority recruit for Oklahoma State. And Mike has a history of playing freshman at the running back position. Justice Hill, Keith Toaston, uh, Kendall Hunter, Joseph Randall, several. And so, but then you look. Did Chuba play as a freshman? I can't remember the. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He wasn't like Chuba yet, but he was. Right. He got some reps. Sure. Yeah. And I'm like. You go down the the, st the stat sheet for Oklahoma State, and Braylon doesn't have a single carry this year, not a single carry. And I'm like, you knew he was undersized when you recruited him, and now is that a reason he's not on the field? I don't get this because he's not going to grow. If you're waiting on him to get bigger and stronger, he's he may get <clears throat> stronger. He's not going <clears throat> to get much bigger if if at all. But who cares? Let me tell you something. He has unbelievable vision. Mm -hmm. It's an unbelievable ability. You know, you hear about like guy, a guy can uh, do something in a phone booth and he's, you know, Braylon Presley could escape a tackler in a phone booth. He is very elusive. His change of direction is unbelievable. And I'm like, Mike complains, has complained after several games about the lack of production from the run game. And you got Braylon Presley, the two-time state player of the year, and like I said, the most accomplished running back of the last several years in Oklahoma. And he's covering punts for you. I mean, I'm like, give it a look. Mm -hmm. What do you lose? I mean, I would. And, and it was my understanding. I mean, we've got not understanding. This is what Braylon told me straight up that throughout his recruiting, he was told he would play a combination, kind of a combination role, Garen, of, you know, running backs, slot receiver, probably a heavier emphasis on on catching than running with the football. But but when you see now that you're, you know, you're without your quarterback, your run game is just very ineffective. What in the world are you waiting on? Give this kid a, give this kid a chance. Give Braylon Presley a chance. Well, Gundy was pressed, not, not so much about Braylon Presley, but about the other two freshmen that he has put in at running back, you know, and just in spots, right, behind Dominic Richardson this week. And that would be Jaden Nixon and Ollie Gordon. Ollie Gordon got one touch against TCU last week, Bill, and it, he was supposed, he was going to be a pass. He was going to throw after receiving a, a toss a, a toss from from Sanders. Nixon's a guy that we we saw go end to end for a kickoff return, big kickoff return touchdown against Baylor a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but so you press Gundy on. On the fact that we reached the seat, we've reached the point of the season. His his first running back's getting beat up because every starting running back everywhere is getting beat up. It's not just Dominic Richardson. Right. Gundy acknowledges this. Then you press him, Bill. One, well, why why are you know why why not give uh, Nixon and Gordon a shot? You, you mentioned Presley, but those are the two guys on the depth chart, and there there remains some hesitancy about uh, you know the, there's things they don't know. There are things you've got to trust, and uh, it's but and I'll, all of that is fair. But you bring up a good point. Whereas he's been, I think, more careful about other positions. I think quarterback most famously in terms of uh, putting young guys in ahead of schedule. 
uh, he, he's at least opened the door at running back. So I, I, I wonder if maybe this is the weekend. It's, it's an awfully big game to change gears, but this is the weekend where he, he gives Richardson a little bit more help there. I don't know if it'll be Presley, but it might be Gordon and or Nixon. It just it just it baffles me though because I so many of the Gundy teams I covered were a, leg, a, a legitimate three deep at tailback, mm-hmm. and and he was not afraid to go to a third tailback, you know, in meaningful situations. Bo Johnson in a way, and even like in a, in twenty eleven, Herschel Sims got carries uh, in, in games even before they became blowouts, and so. And and like I remember Keith Tostin, who was kind of a, a kind of a lightly regarded guy out of the Houston area. In fact, out of the Galveston area. Uh, yeah. And they handed him the ball about eight times in a scrimmage in August when he was a true freshman, mm-hmm. and he just beat everybody. He just cut everybody to pieces. He was hard to tackle. And I mean, I'm like, at some point, at that position, more than most, you can kind of trust a young guy. Because uh, it ain't rocket science, but you can trust a young guy. It's, it's a lot different than trusting a freshman left tackle. I mean, you can hand him the football and let his instincts take over and see what you got there. And so I'm. I mean, you watch Nixon run that kick back at Waco, and you watch. I've watched Braylon Presley here for four years at Bixby, and you're like, and these guys need to have the football in their hands. Mm-hmm. Much, much greater frequency. Of course, Braylon hadn't added at all yet, uh, except a couple of passes, I think. But uh, that's that's the X factor for OSU, not only Saturday for me, but the rest of the way uh, in terms of doing something uh, on a grand stage or having the uh, opportunity to do something on a grand stage and to keep themselves in the playoff conversation. Yeah. So they got to be a better run team because otherwise, without that, it's a it's a gaping hole in their in their ability to win games. Well, in specific to Texas, I just don't. They're they're got to get to the thirties, man, because they they're they're not going to keep that offense. I mean, you, you they I thought they played really well defensively a week ago, and it finally caught up with them. Uh, they 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 kept limiting TC to field goals until the dam broke a little bit in the fourth quarter, and they the frogs got a couple of touchdowns to to send the game to overtime. Texas isn't going to wait that long to score touchdowns Saturday. Not with Ewers, Robinson, Worthy, Worthy, yeah. JT Sanders. Uh, that's their. I mean that that's a that's a player that OSU hasn't seen yet. Uh, they 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 got a taste of what a, a future NFL receiver looks like in, in Quentin Johnston for, for TCU last week. Worthy is just is he doesn't have that kind of size, but he's got more speed. He's every bit as dangerous. Sanders is a, a – I know the term freak is used a lot by coaches and media when it comes to players. This kid's a freak. He is, he's Jermaine Gresham all over again in terms of a tight end who actually plays more like a wide receiver. Um, this, is a, this is a dangerous game for OSU's defense. Um, if they, they end up – they had to score 44 to beat TCU in double overtime a week ago, they might have to score 44 in regulation to win Saturday against that offense. Uh, Quentin Johnston would look great in a cowboy Dallas Cowboy uniform. <laughs> he would. He'd look great really, in any NFL uniform, but I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I, I really, really like him. It, yeah. It's, it, it, OSU wins this game uh, the, the, uh, if, if, if uh, the front seven has a really special day with regard to pressuring and 
getting in in Ewers' yeah. head and, and making getting him off schedule. That's that's the way they win the game. Uh, and if Sanders, uh, you know, presumably he's gotten treatment around the clock and he feels better Saturday than he felt. What did what was he? What did I see or hear? Fourth quarter in overtime the other day was he two of thirteen passing the football? Is that what I heard? Uh, he was. Uh, I think nine. The one, the one meaningful throw he hit late in the game, oh, the only one, was the fourth down, the beautiful clutch. First, yep, first overtime, right. Yeah. But, I mean, so hopefully, uh, for OSU's sake, Sanders feels better, Garen, than he did uh, when he went down there. Uh, I guess what, though, if you listen to Mike Gundy, uh, <laughs> we don't know for sure that he's actually got an injury issue. So, we, yeah, I don't know. Forget it. Listen to Mike Gundy Monday. We're not going to know if the uh, the backup uh, snapper has any injury issue. I think Mike's Mike's a little uptight right now, and I would be too, as I wrote in the column that if 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 a quarterback you had to have even more than the typical starting quarterback, if you have to have him uh, because you just don't have the experience behind him. And if he's he's got a bum shoulder, which I take it as a pretty important body part for a quarterback. Yeah, uh, this is this is Mike's got a reason to be a little anxious. Um, I, I get it. Um, I asked him, Bill, on Monday, if this felt like an elimination game in terms of the Big 12 race. He sort of brushed it off, which is fine. But I got it. It, it has to be right, because you lose you lose a second game and you and you lose a second game to a team you're going to be fighting with. To get to Arlington, TCU, and then to Texas, you're you're in a little trouble all of a sudden. I know they've got K State the next week, and that 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 that's a must win whether OSU beats the Longhorns or not. But you can't go to Manhattan with two conference losses and and expect to to find your way back to Arlington. Right, and, and not not to mention, uh, it, let's say OSU uh, holds it together and anyway, if if it's a do or die with regard to staying in the playoff. Uh, window and go into the Big 12 championship game if OSU has a do or die situation in Bedlam in Norman. And you think OU won't find a way to have their best day? <laughs> yeah. No, I've seen it too many times. Yeah, right. So Mike doesn't want to have to carry that to a, but he will. I mean, that, that'll be, I, I bet you anything, it's, it's that kind of a game for Oklahoma State. And I have to go. I'm not going to rat out the guy who sent me the text after the Texas game, but I said, you know, I, I was remarking to him about the value of a of a reliable backup quarterback, obviously, because mm -hmm. that was the day that so many backups around the country in in pinch hit roles played really well. That's right. And uh, and you saw what happened with the Sooners, and so uh, you know, a guy you know as well as I do. But he, but he messages me, and, and I say, you know, you, this is what happens when you don't have uh, a viable quality guy behind the starter. And he says, Dylan Gabriel would not have made a difference in this game. I'm like, BS. Come on now. And then, and then Dylan Gabriel comes back, and you see the difference. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of expecting OU to uh, – uh, they're not the worst team in the league. I don't care what their record is. I don't care where their standing is in the Big 12. They're not the worst team. And they're, um, you know, if Brent Venables is the kind of coach that I've known for 20 years, if he's still that the guy I believe he is, and they're going to get – they're going to get better in season. 
They're, they're, they're not, a, they're not, they don't have the capability to become a great team, but they certainly have the ability to get better. And that's my hope is that Bedlam is a, is a high stakes as it usually, usually is, is a high stakes showdown for, uh, you know, for Oklahoma state to win it and go to the big 12 or lose it. And, and they don't, that's what I hope for. I want that game to have as high a stakes as possible. Well, then the Cowboys had better strap it up, as they say, and beat Texas. Uh, while those oh, two- hey, listen, I mean, I covered most of these Texas OSU games since 2010. Mm-hmm. And I would say in uh, one, two, three, maybe four of those games, OSU clearly had better personnel, a more talented roster. Mm-hmm which is mind-boggling and good for OSU, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, come on, Texas. Uh, and by roster, I don't mean stars attached to their names coming out of the recruiting process. I mean guys in that moment. Right. For football ability. So OSU has beaten Texas in years when probably OSU didn't have any business beating Texas, mm-hmm. but, but mm-hmm. I've, um, 2015 is the ultimate example, uh, but but uh, of course Texas kind of coughed that one up, and, and OSU got the benefit of one of the great uh, or horrible calls of all time, <laughs> depending on your side on the deal. Right. Remember the defensive holding? Yeah. yeah. The tackle box. Yeah. Right with the nose. Uh, nobody had ever seen it before, and I and I haven't seen it since actually. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a uh, uh, to go way back. To your question, does this set up well for OSU? I think it does. Mm-hmm. If Sanders uh, feels a little better than he did a week ago, and if uh, if they don't just get cooked by Texas's playmakers, which all starts with Colin Oliver and those guys up front, yep. Trace Ford. Trace Ford looks great. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of wondered how's he going to be coming back from you know really devastating situation, and he looks great. So, I mean. Um, this is a big, big opportunity for OSU's pressure guys to uh, steal the show on Saturday. That's that's right. And one more point to that. The Cowboys played it conservatively in terms of the pass rush against Duggan, against TCU last week, because um, they were worried about him breaking contain number one, and they were worried number two about putting too much stress on the secondary. TCU came into the game with the most yards for play in any team in college football. And so what, what Derek Mason asked that that defensive line to do was to get at Duggan without any, without any help. I don't Hello. I don't think he I don't think he plays it that conservatively against Texas. I think that as, as good as those guys up front are to your point, Bill, I think I think they've got to be more exotic in terms of how they get after yours. Uh, right. He, he won't run like Duggan did. That's right. No, no, he's more of a his window uh his window of playmaking is is a fraction what Duggan's is. So uh that's why I think this is a big opportunity game for the pressure guys for the for the front. Yep. Uh, uh, OSU defensive front. Yeah. Real, real quick before the uh, the, the jersey presentation, uh, we haven't talked about TU football. It seems like in about a month, uh, the Hurricane two and four going into the uh, second half of its season. Game Friday night at Temple. They're two touchdown favorite. I take it they'll be okay there. Temple's pretty. They're just lousy. I don't know how else to say it. They're they're one of the worst offenses in college football. They got a decent pass rush, but that's about it. Um, the question really for you, Bill, is uh, any sense that there's a – this is where they were a year ago before they won four – they went four and two and made a bowl game, won the Myrtle Beach Bowl. 
there's there's some there's some familiar names around from last year. Even if Jackson Player is is not there any longer, uh, running backs changed. Jamari Brooke. But what do you think? Is there a sense that this can be done again? Well, I mean, you. Well, well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure. Uh, that's Phillips' message every day. Is you know this hello. We don't want. We don't like that we're here, but we have done this before and we can do it again. Uh, as far as Temple goes, Temple is a perfect, if, to get a little momentum going into the second half, Temple's a perfect opponent. I think this is their third coach since Matt Rule. Maybe. Uh, well, maybe maybe a coach, an interim and a coach. I don't yeah, remember. It's Stan Drayton, which I had to I had and he he was at Texas. What we've talked a lot about the Longhorns. I think he was an assistant with the Longhorns before taking this job. This is his first year. I don't I can't and I can't tell you who he replaced. I don't remember who he replaced. I'm uh I was stunned to see that it's a six thirty kick on ESPN two. Uh I, I thought I kicked this one uh at, on a, on Saturday at uh, I mean I was very pleased that it's a it's six thirty kick except it's Friday yeah I have to uh, record it and watch it after the fact because I'm going to go watch uh, McLean and Wagner that night and and I'm really excited about that to see uh, what I'm going to call the hospitality bowl mm -hmm. Wagner uh, but no I mean it's the perfect game for you to to uh, you know, it's a mismatch from a personnel standpoint. So go play really well, uh, get Bryn back in a good rhythm, and then attack the second half. Except the second half schedule is difficult, uh, but they did it last year. It's just there's a maddening consistency with TU football, and this is it. Just you know, you at the end of last season, you felt pretty good about everything. But then you remember that they opening night they lost to UC Davis, yeah. and that set them on a course to be in trouble by midseason. Um, this is interesting to me. I, I didn't. Uh, Philip now has coached ninety games at Tulsa, Gary, and there's only been two other guys in the history of the program who coached that many games at TU. Gus Henderson, <clears throat> Gus Henderson, a hundred years ago, uh, coached. Uh, a hundred games at TU, and then Dave Rader coached 130 games at TU, and so uh, Phillips been there a long time now. Uh, his record's 40 and 50, and then you ask, well, is that good enough? And you say, well, you balance Phillips' record against the resources he has and the amount of money that the university is willing to spend on football. And you ask, and and then you look at the guys he's had drafted, and you say, is this is this about as good as TU can hope for mm -hmm. in football? Is Philip maximizing what that school can do in major college football, or you know, can, could a different coach uh, get like Sonny Dykes TCU results that quick? Yeah. In right. I, right. I don't know. Yeah. I I don't know. I I, I don't know. Um, okay. But I know it it's got to be so frustrating to be a Tulsa football and basketball fan. Mm -hmm. But no, I mean, yeah, they'll go. The, the highlight Friday will be Keelan Stokes becoming the career leader. That's right. That's right. Uh, and breaking a 57-year-old program record. That's yep. amazing. That How really has held that record 57 years. So impressive. 
I mean, mm-hmm. he was on the unbeaten 72 Dolphins. Yeah. That famous team. I mean, and that's – this is the 50th anniversary of that team. That's crazy. Uh, so, yeah, Keelan Stokes, and he's like uh, 29 yards. Yeah, 29 yards. Yep, to that's right. Plant Howard Twilley as the all-time receiver. And they've had so many good receivers there. It's just remarkable that that record has stood for that long. And it shows how far ahead of the curve that Glenn Dobbs was at that time with, you know, tempo and passing game and, and all of that. So, uh, congratulations. You know, the, that family, that Keevan Lucas, Keelan Stokes family has been part of the TU program now for a decade. That's right. I, when I was on that beat, Keevan was a freshman in 13. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, Keevan was a great kid. I don't know Keelan very well. Uh, but, um, yeah, good for him to get mm-hmm. that right. And, you know, like you say, to use favor for a reason. Their personnel were a lot better. Um, hopefully in a TV game, Bryn lights it up, has a great night. And they get a little mojo and uh, go into the second half and replicate what they did last year. You mentioned uh, as, a, as an outro here this week, really glad you mentioned this, sort of the continuation of, of what you wrote about recently, the McLean situation coming off that terrible shooting the night of the football game. Uh, was it against Miami? I think it was, wasn't it? I, could, right, I, forgot, right, right. I forgot the details. And uh, the aftermath, you're looking again for something good out of something terrible. You found something really cool with regard to what Wagner is doing. And uh, it continues. Uh, the continuation of that story is Friday night then. Is that what you're telling us? Yeah, well, right. Except that, you know, McLean, uh, like Cushing, stepped up too and said, we'll play you. And, I mean, uh, and so McLean went to Cushing last week. Cushing's fantastic. Uh, and and uh, Cushing won that game. So McLean resumed its season last week. But, but uh, you know, this was supposed to have been a McLean home game. That's right. That's right. But TPS is going to address what they think are some problems with regard to football sec- football venue security uh, throughout the district. And so this game was moved from McLean to Wagner. Friday, Dale Condick said, of course, we'll play you. And Dale Condick also said also, not only are we, we going to play McLean, but we're going to give McLean 100% of the ticket because this was supposed to have been their home game, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that'll be about $5,000. And that's a great, great gesture. Big deal. Uh, yeah. One of the kings, one of the kings of Oklahoma football, Dale Condick, one of the great guys. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I want to go watch that game. So, uh, I'll see the Jinx Trojans on Thursday for the first time since the Backyard Bowl. And I'm very interested to see how many of their injured guys they have back now and how that's going to look. On on Thursday in a game, they should win pretty comfortably, I would think. And then T.J. Eckert's so loud. TJ, I knew that was TJ before. I knew it this <laughs> time. I heard it. I said, "What's TJ?" Of course, TJ is there. I was about to ask why, and then I thought, "Well, that's a stupid question." Of course, TJ is going to be at Big Speed for something important. So, la- ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> where's your All-American jersey? Yeah, they don't. They don't have any of those. They don't have any of those, unfortunately. You know, you got, Rob, you got robbed, man. You covered you covered those Bixby teams. You know we weren't good enough to have anybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shot at me, I think, for being an old bleep. Ooh, I, I didn't think about that backhanded compliment. Yeah, sorry about that. No, it's all right, man. I know. So TJ, uh, formerly quarterback, the Bixby Spartans. Yeah. So 
in one really uh, profound statement here. How do you uh, summarize the what you're seeing here over the last four years at Big Smoke? Well, I, I mean, it can be summed up with last week. That's pretty crazy. So my my senior year, my last game, we lost the Broken Arrow in the playoffs, like 56, 20, something like that. And then now, you know, they beat them 77, 70. It just, it, you would have never thought then that this would happen now. I don't imagine. Like, only 10 years. I mean, it's not like it's been 50 years. Right, so right. Awesome. It's been crazy. It is crazy. It's so impressive. All right. I'll let TJ get set up. And you and I can uh, see it again. Thank you. Thank you, TJ. Hey, TJ. All right. You've got a party to get to. Yep. Uh, yeah, this is it. This is uh, going to be a lot of people in here any minute. Yep. Uh, but no, it's a, it's a, uh, I love the OSU Texas game. I love that game. It's been uh, kind of the, like Jim, uh, uh, like uh, Larry Merchant used to say a lot, that boxing was the theater of the unexpected. The OSU Texas game in a lot of years has been the theater of the unexpected. I like and that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And of course, Larry Merchant, a uh, little trivia on our way out the door. You know, he went to OU and uh, a New Yorker like Al Jerkins, out now, Jerkins, Al Ashback. Al Ashback actually hails from New Jersey, but Al Eschbeck went to OU because he read in Playboy magazine that it was one of the top 10 party schools in the country. Yeah. And they had great football. And he said, sign me <laughs> up. So that's how he ended up down here. And he never left. Well, we all and picked schools. Larry Merchant on Broadway saw Oklahoma and loved it and thought he kind of romanticized about it, but I'd like to live down there. And he came down here and went to school. Larry Merchant. Uh, who became a Hall of Fame sports writer and uh, HBO boxing commentator, one of my favorites. Anyway, Theater of the Unexpected, Saturday in Stillwater. Thank it. Theater of the Unexpected is what we should call this program, but no, instead, no. instead it's Extra Points with Bill Hasten. I'm Gary Nemig. Enjoy the, the football. Anything else you get involved with between now and next week, we will talk to you then.